Hello, Singapland. My name is Michael Gralia. Today is Monday, October 9th, and this is episode 119 of Singap 10. We are 52 days away from our conference, and I cannot wait. But I'm going to actually tell you about what happened last week first, because it's given me a lot to think about. Last week, I got a chance to fly to Philadelphia with my son, Tony, for just a one-day trip. I flew out on Wednesday. We did the whole trip on Thursday, and we flew back on Thursday night, which was pretty ambitious, I'm not going to lie. But I'm glad I did it. Um, I tweeted out my visit, as I often do, and I've shared that thread. First link in the show notes. You can see pictures of Tony in the airplane, in the car, in the hotel. I woke up in the hotel, looked across, and saw Amicus Therapeutics, which is a company started by a dad who recently made a medicine for his kids. I'm sort of in awe of him. And then there's pictures of Tony at CHOP, meeting the team, meeting the genetic counselors, doing the EEG, meeting Dr. Helbig, meeting Sam, the um, ST, OT, I think Sam's an OT. No, Sam's a PT, meeting Sam, the PT, meeting Melissa, who I'll talk about in just a second. Actually, let me talk about her now. I met Melissa's mom online a couple of years ago. And when I heard about Melissa's story, I was so struck with it. I told mom, I said, with your permission, I want to write this down. And she was very happy to share. And... Um, you know, when she wrote it all down, it took us a while for us to sort of help. It wasn't reformatting. It was it was untangling all the things that she had put on paper and putting it into a story we could we could publish. And I'm really glad I did that because I had never actually met Melissa or her mom. And then when I was found out I was in the room next to her, I ran next door and we gave each other a big hug. And Tony and Melissa met and. Um, And I was flying back that night and I opened up that article that I had written about Melissa and I read it and I was just sitting there with tears coming down my face, having met this beautiful young woman and then having read everything that she had gone through and her mom and her grandma, all of whom were there, by the way, mom, grandma, Melissa, they woke up at the crack of dawn or before dawn, they drove from Jersey down to Chop, they did the thing and they were going to drive back. And, and someone on the team mentioned that mom had said, you know, we're just here to help the next generation. We'll come back as much as you want, whatever you need to learn about this disease. That made me a little sad because I feel like mom thinks that maybe it's too late for us to help Melissa. That's not true. But it was an honor to meet Melissa and her mom. And, um, and then in the other room, there was this other family, newly diagnosed. We met them too. And then we met Mike Boland, who is an SCX dad that helps coordinate the end program. Then we met the wonderful OT. And Tony was in a great mood. He was hugging everybody. Nobody got, nobody got a chance to say no. Just hugs, hugs, hugs. And, um, and then we walked through campus and got in the car and came home. So I encourage every family to go visit CHOP. The team is seeing a rapidly growing number of Singapians. They, they, can, they, they can understand Singap. I had some really good conversations with people about medication and about therapies, and it was definitely worth my time. I encourage every single family to go to CHOP. And now that I've just talked a little bit about Melissa, I also encourage you to um, read her story. I links in the show notes. But I want to talk about this other family I met. And I'm not going to name them because, you know, they haven't said I could, and, and, and they're still new. 
But this was the mom of a child who had been diagnosed only three months ago. I mean, can you believe it? You get diagnosed, next thing you know, you sign up for a natural history study and you're seeing five clinicians in one day who know about Syngap, amazing. And I was talking to mom about their child and I said, well, well, how do you feel about this? It's always interesting when you get diagnosed. I think child was, you know, 13-ish. I don't remember the exact number. And mom said, you know, I'm afraid to hope again. And I was like, you know, here I am wearing a Love Hope Cure t-shirt by SRF. And so I'm afraid to hope again really got me. I was like, I'm afraid to hope again. Let me think about what that means. And I get it, right? You've had a little baby. You've hoped for the best. You've done all the therapies. You've seen all the doctors. You kind of accepted it. Now they're a teenager. Like, okay, this is our life. What's going to happen to this baby? And then suddenly someone does a genetic test. You get told Syngap 1. Next thing you know, you're a chop. You got Ingo Helvig. There's this crazy guy with long hair in the next room being like, welcome to Syngap land. And you're like, what the hell is going on? I'm afraid to hope again. Because that's what we're in. We're in the hope business, right? We all believe that there is a better future for our children. That we, by working together, by raising funds, by sharing information, by having conferences, can, can bring our own community together and catalyze a bigger community of researchers and clinicians and friends and supporters to help our children, through better medicines, have a better future. That's the business we're in. We're in the hope business. So I'm afraid to hope again was pretty existential for me. And I, I've been thinking about it ever since. And it brings me back to something. I've shared this before. And I'll put a link in the show notes. I went to a Jesuit college. And one of the Jesuits I, I worked with a lot um, told me about Anthony DeMello. DeMello's written some great books. And one of, the, and one of DeMello's key insights was that everything we do comes from love or fear. Every single thing we do comes from love or fear, right? And and um, if, you, if you're like, I don't buy that mic, you click on the link, it's short, go read it. And so when I hear someone say, I'm afraid to hope again about the future of their child, I have to ask myself what's going on because you love your child, you want the best for them. And you're afraid that their future will be not good and that this disease will rob all happiness from them. And that's what you've got. You've got on this shoulder the love of your child and on this shoulder the fear that it's never going to get better, that there's nothing you can do. And that brings me to my second little handy-dandy teaching. The story of two wolves. Right? Really on a tear today, guys. And I looked this up because I'm like, am I making this one up? But I Googled it. It's a thing. I've heard it many times. But this, I'm going to read this to you. It's short. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, 
which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Love, fear, which are you feeding? Which are you focusing on? Are you focusing on all of the bad news? Are you obsessively going through Facebook looking for posts by parents of older Singapians trying to imagine how bad it will be so you can manage against that? It's okay, we all do it. But that's the wolf you're feeding. Are you also feeding the wolf over here are you learning about the repurposing? Are you booking tickets for the conference? Are you trying to understand what an ASO is so that when you have a chance to join a clinical trial in one or two years, you actually know what it is about? Are you listening to every webinar at some hour of day or night, trying to grasp the science? Are you connecting with other families? Are you driving across the country like Peter and Brett and Monica just did in the Cannonball? Are you having a golf tournament like Julie Miles just did on Saturday? Which wolf are you feeding? Because it's not like that mom who said, I'm afraid to hope again, doesn't love her child. Obviously. And it's almost ironic that she's standing in a clinical, in a natural history study clinic room at CHOP three months after she's been diagnosed, she had to fly there for this, right? That takes a certain amount of effort and commitment and belief that it's worth it. And then she sells herself short by saying, I'm afraid to hope again. With respect. B.S. You're not afraid to hope. We all love our children more than anything else. We all have this hope in our hearts that there's going to be a drug or a therapy or something that can help our kids. What we're afraid of is to say it out loud. That's what I keep doing on this podcast. I keep reminding you with facts and data and examples and updates that there is every reason to hope. And I've said before, it sure beats the alternative. Hang on, kiddo, family, siblings, grandparents. Better medicines are being searched for by Rare Base and Clement Chow and other people doing repurposing. Genetic therapies are being designed and tested preclinically by Stoke and Acadia and Praxis and Tevard and others. There is every reason to hope. The alternative is what? Despair? Look at the worst case scenario. Buckle up. Start telling yourself things like there's nothing we can do. It's too late for this one. We can't raise enough money to matter. None of this is true. All of this is fear talking. This community is phenomenally mighty. fraction of families who stood up and thrown themselves into this is just that. We are a fraction of this community. If the other families stopped being paralyzed by fear 
There is every reason to believe that we could move even faster towards a future that is inevitable, which is a better future for our children. I had to take that call, so I, I cut myself off abruptly there. But I think you get my point. Everything's love or fear. Look at your kid, love them, and have the audacity to hope that there's a better future. Embrace the hope, guys. Don't be afraid to hope. It's how we're gonna get through this. The more people who choose hope, who get in here, who work together, the faster we're gonna move. As I said, Brett just completed the cannonball three years in a row, nonstop hope. Julie just did this, the scramble, second year in a row, more hope. What can you do? What physical thing can you do? Get yourself to the conference. Get yourself to the conference. You wanna bring your kid? Bring your kid. Bring a spouse or a caregiver so you can actually go to the conference if you're gonna bring your kid. But if you bring your kid, I'll tell you right now, we got people there who wanna do blood draws. We got someone else there who was gonna to wanna to do a test. We've got um, this uh, other, there's a lot of things we're gonna be able to do with these kids at this conference. But the most important thing we're going to do is build this community, connect families with each other, meet scientists, meet clinicians, meet each other, and make this community stronger. Because even though we are going to get and make medicines to make our kids' futures better, there's still going to be a lot of work. And the way we do that work is together. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'll see you in 52 days at the conference.